Why is marriage so difficult? I mean, let's, let's level with one another here, right? Because every marriage possesses a cross, and far too often that cross looks like our spouse, <laughs> right? I often remind my wife that Jesus said that you must take up your cross to follow him. And so I figured someone had to be her cross so she can get to heaven, right? So you can imagine how well that one goes. But marriage lived right is difficult. Why? Because of its importance. Because of its capabilities because of what God intends to do through it. Today in the church, we celebrate World Marriage Day, marriage which is so much more powerful than we give it credit for, marriage rightly understood as the union of one man and one woman ordered toward the raising of children and for the good of the couple. Married love then contains three aspects. First, it is unifying. At the vows, there is one yes. And our yes must mean yes. There's one yes and then an infinite number of no's. Every other option is now off the table. Number two, it's permanent. The two become one flesh. The two become a single entity, fused together in the sacrament by God. And number three, it's life-creating. These two can now participate in the creation of another eternal being. Now, while all of us here, we know that marriage is a sacrament, I think we have a tendency to discount this fact. We forget that within marriage, God really does something supernatural. As a sacrament, when these vows are exchanged, these two really become one flesh, and they then possess a sanctifying quality, which means that they now have this power to make each other holy, to make each other divinized, to make each other like God, to make each other saints. And it also then possesses this ability to make God himself visibly and physically present in the world. This is why it is most despised by the evil one. He hates this sacrament. Possessing sanctifying power... He gives every attempt he can to disarm us of this power, to stop us from getting to heaven, and to stop us from bringing down his kingdom of darkness in the world. And his actions, his temptations, take place deep, deep within our hearts. As Jesus warns us about in today's gospel, right? It's not enough to simply not commit this external act of adultery, but in simply looking at another with lust, we've already committed adultery in our heart. And thus we have and we see this onslaught 
of the enemy's primary countermeasure against us, impurity. The enemy knows that our nature clings to this sin of impurity with tenacity, and so he introduces it to us often. It's all around us. He tries to convince us that it's not that big of a deal, that a little bit isn't that bad, right? But it is. It's a grave sin. It leads to our supernatural and eternal grave. As our first reading puts it, to none does God give license to sin. Before man are life and death, good and evil. And thus God, Jesus, exhorts us with this powerful imagery, trying to drive home the importance of avoiding sin and avoiding the near occasion of sin. Right? Tear out your right eye. Cut off your right hand. Whatever it is that causes you to, be, to sin, be done with it. Have nothing to do with it. This is very drastic. And why so drastic? Well, as the saints throughout all of church history put it, Satan laughs at the person who wants to live this virtuous life but refuses to avoid the near occasion of sin. He laughs because he knows what we're communicating with is death itself. That we are arming, we're weaponizing our own very flesh against our soul. Our strength as a couple, our strength as a church, and frankly our strength within society is dependent upon holy marriages. This is how we and the world will be sanctified. When domestic churches are built upon holy marriages, holy families, these domestic churches that then begin to subsist in an unbelieving world. And thus we have these legends like St. Valentine, who married couples illegally because it was forbidden. Why? Because he knew its power. And how could this couple be denied this grace? How could the world be denied this grace? And so on this World Marriage Day, it behooves each one of us to first of all pray for all marriages. To pray for all marriages. And then for us that are married, to conduct a marital examination of conscience and ask ourselves honestly two things. Number one, where have I allowed the enemy to disarm me in my marriage? Where have I made concessions, allowed sin? And specifically, what am I going to do about it? Number two, where can I grow deeper in holiness? Because it's not enough to just not sin. But how can I grow deeper in communion with my spouse and allow the grace of my marriage to then flourish? The married couple is sacramentally responsible for getting the other to heaven. Is responsible for a love that is permanent unifying and life-giving is responsible for helping God 
to divinize the other person. So yes, marriage is difficult. Nobody here needs me to tell you that. But we should be encouraged, I think, because of this fact. Because it is difficult precisely because it is so powerful. As a married couple, the enemy is scared of you. The enemy is scared that you are going to live out your marriage in a holy manner. That you're going to live with the cross. That you're going to show sacrificial love. And thus it is that despite living in a culture that's ruled by the kingdom of darkness, at any moment and at any time, we can fulfill the words of the Our Father. Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. Because that is the end. Only we can concede that. That is the end. So either we can concede it or we can live it.